When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Today's podcast is sponsored by Bear Attack Boxing. Buy boxers for boxers. And I just wanted to take a quick moment just to give a little plug to one of their new fantastic products that have just come out and are available to purchase on their website. It's the Fight Pro One Gloves. The new series of Fight Pro Gloves are here. You want to go on their website and check them out. They've been developed by pro fighters to produce the perfect glove for daily training and also for fight night as well. Made with premium leather, you know you can count on the durability of the Fight One Glove. This is the first in the series of the Fight Pro Gloves. So if you want to get yourself over there and have a look at www.bearattackboxing.co.uk go and check out that Fight Pro One pair of boxing gloves. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Great products coming out from Bear Attack Boxing there. Really enjoying being a part of their company, being a part of what they do. It's really progressing very, very well. So I want you to go over there as listeners to the podcast and just go and check them out because they are great products. They're getting better. There's more products coming out uh, and I'm really proud to be a part of the Bear Attack Boxing brand. So... Get yourself over there, www.bearattackboxing.co.uk. Follow them on all social media. Go and have a look at them new Fight Pro 1 gloves. Get in the ring with Fight Pro 1. This is one of the most unusual calls by a referee in the history of the sport. The first Welcome, fight fans, to another episode of BTR Boxing Podcast Legendary Nights with me, Sean Bastow, going to be joined by Johnston Brown on this episode. And today, as voted for by you, the users of Twitter, 
This is the tale of Diego Corrales versus Jose Luis Castillo from way back in 2005. An unbelievable fight. One of the greatest fights you will ever watch. So just before we get into the Legendary Knights episode, I just want to tell you guys to go over and check us out on Apple Podcasts, on Podbean, all the available podcasting apps out there. Go and find us, subscribe to us, rate and review. It is really, really appreciated. Also, follow us on social media at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter and BTR Boxing Podcast on Facebook. So here we go, guys. As voted for by you, the listeners, the voters of Twitter, this is Legendary Knights, the tale of Corrales versus Castillo. So, guys, this is it. This is the tale of Diego Corrales versus Jose Luis Castillo back from 2005. And I'm joined by Johnston Brown. He's here. He's back for Legendary Nights. Johnston, how are you doing? I'm good, show, mate. Really good. Really eager to get to do this uh, Legendary Night with uh, Diego Corrales and uh, Jose Luis Castillo. It's uh, an absolute banging fight. So, uh, yeah, really looking forward to this one. It's a great fight and you'll hear me say that phrase probably about 20 more times throughout the episode but <laughs> it is it's, it's, it's such a a wonderful fight to, to watch and I think the, the in the commentary for the fight it actually says one of the commentators does say it's a fight in a phone box and this is definitely that cliche saying has come from fights like this it was a, an unbelievable fight to cover so on the episode as always we will be covering a little bit of the careers leading up to this particular fight between these two warriors we're going to be talking about what the build-up was like going into the fight bits and facts bits of information from the background and then we're going to talk about the fight itself and of course the aftermath what it meant to these two fighters careers what it meant to their legacies this is going to be a great episode so johnson let's get into it and let's talk about both fighters first of all talk about corrales and early memories of corrales for for you first of all when was the first time you seen diego corrales in a boxing ring well the first time i picked up on diego corrales was uh, was after the actual uh, Floyd Mayweather Junior defeat. I hadn't watched the fight live, but I knew of the fight uh, mainly because obviously he went inside literally straight after that fight. But after that, I followed his career a bit, and yeah, it, it was a. Uh, it, it, I mean, was he five eleven? But it? it was huge for for a lightweight, uh, really tall. Um, and he had just like loved his style. I think I think a lot he, he took off in America. His, he had that one-punch knockout, didn't he? He was, he was great to watch um, and always in a cracking fight, even up, leading up to Jose Luis Castillo fight. But yeah, it was a, it was a great fight to, to follow. And obviously, I mean, it, his first title was way, way back in 1999, was it, when he, when he beat Robert Garcia and he picked up the RBF featherweight title. So, I mean, following him before we did this sort of pod, so, I mean, that's as far back as I went. And just watching back on him as well on his YouTube videos, yeah, what a fighter, really. Great fighter. He is great. You know, he will. I say he is. He was a great fighter. And he was a, yeah, he was an unbelievable fighter. And you say, you know, his first world title success came, as you say, in 99 against Roberto Garcia, IBF World Super Featherweight title, the NGM Grand. Roberto Garcia, 32-0 at the time. Uh, gets a stoppage win, Diego Corrales moves on in his career, fights another guy that we've spoke about on the podcasting, Derek Gaynor, in the super yep. featherweight division. He picked up the IBA and IBF super featherweight titles there in 2000. And then he beats Angel Manfredi, a guy that we've had on this podcast before on our life and times of. And it wasn't something he touched so much on, that particular fight with Manfredi, but it was another cracking fight that he was involved in that 
if you go back and look at the archives of Corrales' career, you know, it's, a, it's another great fight to watch. And his definition of his one-punch knockout power. You were talking about him fighting Floyd Mayweather earlier in 2001 when he fought for the WBC Super Featherweight title and lost to Floyd Mayweather. And that's sort of around about the time you start to, to pick up on him as a fighter. And for me personally, I started to pick up on Corrales to be honest, it, it, more towards the sort of latter end of his career. Be, before the Castillo fight, I picked up on him actually when he fought Casamayor and he lost Casamayor the first time he fought him, uh, which was for the IBA World Super Featherweight title back in 2003. That was the first time I came across him because at the time, obviously life was a little bit different You know, for me personally, for you personally. He was a, a lot younger back then. I'd, I was still in college. We'd, I didn't really have access to, to sort of cable and Sky TV at the time. So, And, and there wasn't really any YouTube about at the time or, or any ways to actually access boxing in the same way as we can today. So, you know, you kind of get these fighters over in dribs and drabs and, and, and around about the Casamayor fight was where I got to pick up on Corrales and, and that's where I started to watch him from there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, as I say, I, I heard of him after obviously going inside uh, after the fight, but I hadn't seen much of him. As I say, you probably see the, the Casamayor fight before because I didn't watch the first one again. Um, but again, got a fight, uh, another cracking scrap. Uh, but I mean, Dan, as you say, did through the archives, you know I mean, you pick up on the Floyd Mayweather fight, for instance, and it was it was actually quite interesting uh, reading about some of the build-up stuff because obviously with him with, with the pending sort of prison sentence in the horizon for Corrales, there wasn't much joy for him going into that Floyd Mayweather fight. But um, Floyd Mayweather was was in the build-up was quick to sort of say, uh, and I quote, he said, uh, "I'll beat him like a dog on behalf of the battered women in the world." <laughs> which I thought was quite funny and the irony of it is that it's a bit black kettle black from Floyd <laughs> <laughs> no it's weird that you say it like that yeah yeah I, I, I mean the other thing with Corellas was the fact that because he was sort of 5 foot 11 he really did struggle with the weight and uh, prior actually to the weight he, he actually had to in the morning before the weight in the main of the fight he actually had to strip off 8 pounds which he got down to 132 which obviously you know with the, the super featherweight division, or you know the the, the uh, junior lightweight, however you want to call it, he had to get rid of another two pounds. And he actually jumped in the sauna, done a running session in the sauna for ninety minutes just to get rid of that that two pounds. And so he gets down to the one thirty, and then on the night of the actual fight, he's weighed again, and he weighs in at hundred uh, hundred and forty six pounds. He had to put on basically sixteen pounds within you know less than what twenty four hours, less than twelve hours. I mean. Because because obviously looking at it, it gets knocked down five times, and Corella doesn't get knocked out or knocked down like that. So it just shows you how difficult it was being such a tall guy trying to get down to that weight. I mean, um, yeah, it's it's, it's 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 interesting. You can actually see why obviously Mayweather did what he did to him because obviously he's going to be struggling. Isn't he? You're going to be you know losing all that water and then gaining it again. You're in trouble, mate. So uh, and then actually after that, he come up and actually said that he was suffering with bronchitis too. So I mean, he was going through it, um, and obviously. He ended up inside after that, so for, for beating up his wife, his pregnant wife. So yeah, a bit of an arsehole really, and uh, <laughs> and um, yeah. So it's just interesting. How it is. And, uh, obviously, yeah, uh, he comes across quite a nice guy, but obviously not so much. Well, this is it. This is the little intricate details that people forget about, you know, guys outside the ring and, and what lives that they lead outside the ring. And the ironic thing of, of Floyd Mayweather making comments in the build up to their fight, but. 
the fact that Floyd Mayweather's been 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 and done the same basically later on in his career, which is is is, is ironic, like you say. And he had obviously two years out because of that. He was in two thousand and three. He fought what was it five five times, six times in two thousand and three. Lost to Casamayor. Fought Casamayor two thousand and four. Won won the IBA and vacant WBO super featherweight titles on a split decision. And then in two thousand and four, he fought. Asilio Freites, who was undefeated in 35 fights and a huge, huge puncher. If anybody knows of Freites, you've got to go and check him out again. He's another guy who who was an absolute banger. And Diego Corrales stopped him. (laughs) What, you know, this was a, this was a big, this was a big win for him before the Castillo fight. You know, in fact, I think it was a huge win, to be honest, because like I say, Freites was, was known as this knockout eyes, it's a guy with such fire in both of his fists, and and to be able to go out there and and do what he did to him was uh, was unbelievable, and that was the perfect perfect chance for him then to to go on and fight Jose Luis Castillo. Yeah, I mean, and the other thing, even I mean, the, the free fight fought obviously fought uh, uh, Joel Casamayor, um, obviously lost the first one. Um, funny enough, you had a person who was in uh, Casamayor's corner for the first fight, and then. Uh, Obviously, that it didn't end out well. He, he got two cuts in, in his mouth. It was another great strike, though. If, you, if anyone wants to watch the first one, the first one was an excellent fight. I think it was in six rounds. But a brilliant fight. And, and again, the, the second one, Joe, Joe Goosen actually switches sides. Kazemayor decides, uh, is it Buddy McGurk back? It gets him in his corner, gets rid of Goosen. And it's actually Goosen that, that does wonders, really, with, with Corellas. And he, he adopts that nice, the left jab. And the right, a nice one too that kept uh, Casemiro at bay. It was a bit of a dirty fight, to be fair, but a very slick Cuban Casemiro. Um, and then obviously, then he went on from that, that the, sort of getting the revenge in that fight to fight, as you say, a massive puncher. Sean, he was the Brazilian. I mean, I think uh, it didn't he do Barry Jones as well. He Brazilian, did, yeah, uh, yeah. So he was knocking people out for fun, wasn't he? He was, it was. I think just before as well, Freeman had just beaten Casemiro himself, which was a bit of a controversial fight. He was for the first time he'd actually backed off, and Casemiro was really going at that fight. So. Um, so yeah, Corella's obviously done his own work on him. Obviously, again, Joe Goosen knew Freitas as well because he had he had used him he had been in his corner before. So yeah, yeah, he obviously worked in uh, Corella's favour, and uh, yeah, he, he he put him down. I think he put him down in the eighth, um, and then uh, I think he put him down. Tom might have put him down twice in the eighth, and then in the end, I think Hank finished, and then Freitas. Yeah, he, he called it. They weren't, he weren't really feeling it. I think he was, he was starting to do that that pop. So um, great, great win for Corella's. Yeah, no, it was a great win for, uh, for Corrales in that one, and, and it really set him up nicely for the defining fight of his career, which was the fight against Jose Luis Castillo. So let's move on then. Let's move into Jose Luis Castillo's career and talk about where he came from. Now, one of the facts that people may or may not know about Jose Luis Castillo, he started his professional career in 1990. 1990 he started. I was four years old when he started his professional career. And for, for him to go on as long as he did, which we'll, uh, we'll come to at the end of the show, is, is unbelievable. So I'm not going to bore people and go through a complete career synopsis of Jose Luis Castillo, but I think what we are going to do is is briefly touch on some of the significant fights, which are, are probably in more recent memory for fight fans 
you know, who, who, who followed boxing for maybe the past 20 years or so will probably remember a lot of the fights that we're going to refer to in this one. So the one that really sticks out for me in, in memory is, is Floyd Mayweather. Now, that is a fight that we'll, we'll get to in a moment. His significant fights in his career leading up to Corrales was... Stevie Johnston. He beat Stevie Johnston in 2000 for the WBC World Lightweight title. That was quite a significant win for him, winning that title against Stevie Johnston. He was a well-known name at the time, very big name uh, around the circuit at the time. And he had two fights with Stevie Johnston in 2000. He got the majority decision in the first, and it was a majority draw in the second fight they were for me they were the they were the two significant fights when i look back on his career obviously prior to that he 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 fought a lot of his fights in in mexico in his native country of mexico and he'd fought for mexico featherweight titles and you sort of smaller titles mexican pacific coast super featherweight titles but this was really his big defining moment was when he picked up that wbc world lightweight title which is something you were talking about to me a little bit earlier on johnson you were talking about the stevie johnston fight and, and and obviously how significant that was for him yeah i mean i mean stevie johnson um i knew the name uh through when he fought uh billy shaw um at the london arena which was uh, literally uh, i think it was a few weeks after lennox Lewis fought around the holyfield because i do i have vague memories watching back of, of seeing uh after that sort of watching the holyfield lewis fight was um they were sort of plugging the Billy fight. So that's how I sort of stumbled across Stevie Johnston. I knew of him as a big name. So obviously I didn't see this fight, I'm not going to lie to you. But that was a very significant fight because obviously, as you say, he had, he had basically travelled, he had stayed in Mexico and he had fought for the for the Mexican title four times and lost it four times. Um, so he's lucky he continued to sort of study it out in Mexico because he wouldn't go anywhere until he actually won the Mexican title. Which, to be fair, he went and done. He won the six heavyweight title, uh, Mexican title, uh, which was in 1999. And then he got his shot against Stevie Johnson. Um, so it, it, it was actually the upset of the year. The Ring Magazine gave that the upset, upset of the year. And then, as you say, it, it got the rematch straight away. Which is actually remembered for the miscalculation from one of the judges, uh, Ken Moriarty, who, um, who basically scored fight 1-1. One, one, Five one one fourteen in favour of Johnston, and it wasn't until after that, five minutes after that, actually, Stephen Johnson went into the changing room after and gave him the title to say that actually you got the majority draw, so you've got to keep it up. That is quite interesting. So yeah, it was a miscalculation from the ref and there. Yeah, so it was a. He ended up winning or getting the draw, but he's obviously still playing the title. And then we talk about the Mayweather fight, and that's probably uh, one of the most significant fights, if not aside from the one we're talking about today in the episode. It was probably one of the most significant and controversial fights of his career. For the sole fact is that arguably. There's a lot of people out there that believe that Jose Luis Castillo beat Floyd Mayweather on the night of the 20th of April 2002. And I've watched that fight back numerous amounts of times. And I do myself to this day believe that he he did beat Floyd Mayweather, but he wasn't given the decision. And I felt like he, he clearly beat him as well. And man, it was just, you know, look at what Floyd Mayweather's done today. For most people will agree, he's arguably one of the best pound for pound fighters that, that I've ever graced the squared circle but you know for, for, for that particular night he, he wasn't on fire as much as he, he was in his previous fights and I felt like Jose Luis Castillo beat him in that fight and he was very unlucky not to get a decision 
in that one. And looking back on that and looking at what you've seen of that particular fight, what what are your thoughts on that? What What's that your opinion on that particular fight with Floyd Mayweather? Do you think Castillo should have won that fight? Yes, I do. I think um, the, early, the early exchanges I think Mayweather did take, I thought, thought sort of first four or five rounds, Mayweather was just about in the lead. And then I'd say from the middle of the fight to the championship rounds was when Castillo really put the pressure on Floyd. Um, and for all the years, we've all watched Floyd Mayweather. Mayweather has always been a difficult fighter to sort of catch, isn't he? He's always been on his toes and sort of backing off and moving around. And this particular fight, he, he just couldn't get rid of him. He's never seen Mayweather actually stand and get hit as many times as he did. Um, and for me, I mean, Harold Lederman uh, even had it 1-1-5-1-1-11. It's difficult to just disagree with that. Um, I, think, I think the one thing, it was close. I mean, you probably could argue that there might be odd rounds that were close enough that you could have given it to Mayweather. But again, I mean, I, I like yourself, Sean. I've watched it a few times and I think it's pretty clear to see that Castillo wins the fight. Uh, but what, what bothers me most is that all three judges go, against, go with Mayweather, which is just, I just don't get it. Um, I think, I think uh, two, well, two of them, one one three one one five, and then the other, the third judge was one one three one one six. I I can't for the last week how they got that score. Um, so, I, I don't know, it, he was the baby, wasn't he? He was the, he was the, the money man, and obviously, you know, he he, under, he basically underestimated Castillo. He thought he'd just deal with him quite easily. He blamed it on his shoulder, Floyd. But um, 100% with his shoulder, Castillo on the fight. Yeah, no, he did. And and people will always have an opinion on that particular fight. And it was one that I would say, if if you love controversial scorecards and you love controversial endings to a fight, that's one that you should definitely go and look at on YouTube and, and give... Give us your thoughts, drop us a tweet on Twitter and tell us whether or not you actually agree Jose Luis Castillo won that fight or not. Anyway, let's move on. He did get a rematch, obviously. He did get a rematch with uh, Floyd Mayweather again later on that year, in which I wouldn't argue he was beaten in that one because I felt like Mayweather comprehensively beat him in the rematch later on in the year. And that kind of put that one to bed. And he came back then uh, and fought a few fights, got a few TKO victories under his belt, and then went in with Juan Lascano, former Ricky Hatton opponent later on in his career, won the vacant WBC World Lightweight title, defended it against Casamayor on a split decision, and then he also went in with Julio Diaz and defended it and got a TKO victory, which was the fights that led up to this epic night against Diego Corrales. So three quality names, three quality operators on his record going into the fight with Corrales. He'd already been in with Floyd Mayweather, who was well into making his, his career at this point, and he'd had some great fights with the likes of Stevie Johnson. So going into the fight with Diego Corrales, he had much more I would say experience he was a few years older I think at the time of the fight happened with Corrales I think Castillo was 31 Corrales 27 so there was much more experience under the belt for Jose Luis Castillo going into this fight so just before we get into the build up of the fight final thoughts on Castillo's career just leading up to this fight with Corrales yeah I thought I thought the first fight before the Corrales fight the Corrales fight was uh was they were all three of them were highly entertaining. I mean, uh, the one Lescano fight was a bit of a slow burner, but it got going. And I mean, the funny thing was that they both come in. They were over one four seven when they come in. It was literally like watching two like middleweights in there. It was quite funny actually. But a good, a good victory. And again, uh, Joe Goosen keeps popping up because he was in Lescano's corner. The uh, they call him the Hispanic causing panic. It's one of my favourite names. <laughs> Lescano's name. I mean, obviously the Korean fight was a quite um, a Casamayor fight. Sorry. 
was another cracking fight. Definitely go and have a look at that, guys. It was an absolute banger. Started off again a bit slow. As, as Castillo, um, one thing you'll notice, Castillo is always known to be a bit of a slow starter. And then he, he just, from the middle rounds, he'll always just push on. And then obviously, the, the uh, Julio Diaz fight was a pretty... Pretty straightforward fight for him, really. He probably dominated that pretty much all the way through. Yeah, and I think I think with uh, Diaz, he just sort of... Uh, I think he went down with exha- exha- exhaustion more than anything after his eye was quite badly swollen. So, he set up lovely. It was really nice. Everyone was talking about Corello against uh, Castillo. And finally, I think, I think Castillo was hunting him down and eventually, that was it. It was time to tango. That's it. So, we get into it then and we go into the build-up for the fight. And again, I think really I wanted to get your, your initial thoughts because there was quite a lot of respect between these two. From from watching back over the the videos that are, are available to look back on of this particular build-up, they were, both, they were both quite respectful of each other going into this. They both knew what both men brought to the ring. We knew Corrales was bringing this sort of one-punch concussive knockout power, whereas you had Castillo, who was, who was really a great body worker. He was a great body puncher, and you know he had an engine that could go for 24 rounds, never mind 12. So we knew we were going to get something here that was going to be pretty sensational. I just don't think none of us could have predicted how sensational the fight turned out to be. But what we were looking back on the videos over the past few days and looking at the build-up of it, did you find that it was quite quite respectful in the build-up between one another? There was a lot of respect already there because of what they both accomplished at the time. Yeah, I think so. I, th- I think Castillo was probably... Uh, yeah, he was a little bit more cocky, a little bit more flash. He didn't really say anything out of line. Uh, he just sort of... I don't think he ever thought Hit Corellis was ever ducking him. I don't think... I, th- I just think that it was, it was it was due to happen, wasn't it? It, it was a matter of if, if Castillo could get past uh, uh, Julio Diaz, which he did quite comfortably. Um, and, yeah, it was, it was pretty respectful. I think they both knew that, that you know, with... Although... Uh, Castillo was was very much a forward fighter, wasn't he? He loved the left hook to the body. That was his signature shot in there, and he he would hunt you down. And and a lot of fighters, like even with Casemiro, he was a slick Cuban, Cuban, sorry, and um, he struggled to kick Castillo off him. Even Mayweather, you know, you think about what Mayweather went on to do. Whether he had a bad shoulder or not in that fight, it's relevent, really. I mean, he when he when he when he sort of spotted you, he, he would he would really hunt you down and close you, close down the gaps in there. And um, yeah, so I think they just knew it was going to be a scrap. I think everybody did. I think even Joe Goosen, who was in Corellis' corner, even said himself that he knew this was going to be a good fight. Um, and uh, and boy, did they deliver! I mean, the fight was cracking even up to that last round. Um, so yeah, it, it really it really lived up to its billion and beyond. Really, I mean, one of the one of the greatest fights I think I've ever seen. I think, if anything, it probably is. Uh, you look at Fraser, you look at Fulman, uh, you know, and your Hagler hands and things like that, and fights like that. And obviously, uh, your Ward Gatties, but this is this is up there with them. This this belongs right there alongside the Ward Gatties uh, and your Fraser's, um, or at least the third one. So for me, it, it was it, it was just it's just a great great fight. It's just I love a, I love a slugfest that we're delivered. And like you said, one of the commentators mentioned it. It was literally. A phone booth fight, wasn't it? They were literally head to head for for a long part of that fight, right inside of each other, and just yeah, brilliant, brilliant. It was, it was, and this is where we're going to go to. We're going to talk about the fight. Just going into this fight, then they were both champions at the time. We had Diego Corrales, who was the WBO lightweight champion, and WBC lightweight championship belonged to Jose Luis Castillo at this point. Pre-fight records: we had thirty-nine and two with thirty-two knockouts for Corrales, and Jose Luis Castillo was fifty-two. 
with six losses and one draw and 46 knockouts going in. I'm not surprised when he was fighting since 1990, so he'd already been fighting, what, four, 15 years bef- when this fight happened? So that some fighters' careers don't even last that long, you know, let alone the way he ended up fighting up until later on down the line. So it was a great matchup between two guys that were... Both very, very much ready to ready to go in this one. It was very much going to be a sensational fight. And what was interesting about this fight is the fact that Joe Goosen, who was in Corrales' corner at the time, knew that Castillo was uh, an inside fighter and his best work was going to be on the inside. Corrales, as you mentioned earlier and quite rightly pointed out, was such a big fighter for the lightweight division. At 5'11", he had such a big frame that he had all the physical advantages to make this fight 10 times easier than what it turned out to be. It's been said since then that Joe Goosen told Corrales he should fight on the inside as well, which was quite an interesting piece of information. I think what was weighing on my mind was our game plan because a lot of people thought we were going to box and move, but Mayweather couldn't get away from him, Castillo. So how how was Corrales, who never really took a step backwards, going to get away from a pressure fighter like Castillo? So I thought we had to meet the pressure with the pressure. And the other thing was is that a lot of people didn't realize how good Diego was on the inside because nobody would ever sit there on the inside with him. Mostly everybody that fought Diego was trying to get away from him because of that rangy power he had. But had anybody ever stopped to spend some time on the inside with him, they would have paid the price, but they would have also found out, and the general public and the boxing community would have found out that Diego was a uh, five-star you know, surgeon on the inside. And he proved that against Castillo. The fact that he's told him to fight the same fight as Castillo, a fight which he would absolutely love to get involved in. So it was interesting that that type of information was given to Corrales because that could have completely, completely backfired. And at points in the fight, it did. So talking about the fight then, going into the fight, when you when you open up the first round, I felt like it started off quite tentatively for about a minute and a half of the first round. And then after that... Mm-hmm. We, we never looked back. It just exploded. And here's an exchange as they go toe-to-toe as advertised in the center of the ring. Into, into body punches and inside fighting pretty much for, throughout the whole of the fight. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it, it was a bit... T- for the first minute, for the only time where Corinthians, he, he sort of... Um, he, he, had a, he had a bit of distance, but he didn't... He ended up deciding, I'm going to, you know, he closed the gap. They had been working, as you, as you rightly pointed out, with Joe Goosen, who, who later said that the tactic was... To, to, to get to fight on the inside and fight him at his own fight. Um, I think I think Goose what he originally said was um, that you know the other fighters that had run away or was, you know run away they'd used their legs a bit more and moved and tried to hit him. But in the end, Castillo, Castillo would always get there, wouldn't he? He'd always break him down eventually. So I think he said he had he had several top class sparring where he was just constantly constantly fighting on the inside toe-to-toe with these guys and got him ready for this so it was actually a tactic that really you could hear with the, with the commentators with Bernstein he was even like well oh, this, this is a bit of a strange one he's neglected his jab you know he's decided to go toe-to-toe with him and we all know that Castillo had that, had that left hook and obviously that to the, to the body especially um, but they had some great I mean right at the end of that first round it, there was a great exchange um, and it, it was just yeah it, I was I was you know at the time, I bet, you know, most people were pretty sh- quite shocked that, especially with the uh, Casamayor fight with Corellas, where 
he used that left jab and then threw the one two, and it worked really well for him. So you sort of you can sort of think why they why they would have thought that he would he would fight that way. And on the outside, more of a, a box to puncher type of style. But um, yeah, went straight in and yeah, right at the end of the round, especially really yeah, it, it was great. Great, great start. It was a great start. It really kicked off from there on in. And as we go through the rounds, it started to really hot up. Each round just started to, you could see that both men were putting the, the foot on the pedal in the fight and they were both starting to land with hard combinations and power punches throughout. And as it got to the fourth round, it started to get more interesting because a cut opened up over Castillo's left eye. There's blood around the left eye of Castillo. So both fighters bloodied. No, no, give him up, give him up. In this fight thus far, the war of attrition as advertised rages on. And this is where you think to yourself, in a fight when when you are able to get that sort of damage inflicted on your opponent, it gives the fighter who's inflicted that damage onto the opponent the sort of sense of, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna target that eye, I'm gonna go for the eye, I'm gonna I'm gonna try. But the thing was, in this fight, because it was such an inside fight all the way through, Castillo was absolutely hammering to the body of, of Corrales and what happened was because he was fighting so much on the inside, Corrales started to take too many punches directly to the face and his eyes started to well up which was the sign of, you know you've been in a fight when your eyes are starting to bruise and welt before the fight's even over. And, you know, you see these fights happen and then about an hour after the fight, you see how badly the, you know, the eyes have really come out in the bruising. But you could see it evidently in the fight after the fourth round as the sort of fifth and sixth started to come on and they're both still exchanging numerous amounts of punches and combinations you know the eyes of Corrales started to look a bit of a mess and it sat, you started to feel that the tide was turning just a little bit in Castillo's favour at this point yeah definitely I mean they, they were in close quarters throughout um, the one shot which always uh, every time I watch it was, was the Castillo's uppercut it was just landing at will um, I mean I think even, even Goose had said like you know you've got to try and avoid it which there was I think it was around the fifth round where he did slip him a couple of times uh, and then tried to throw that hook. Uh, but he was getting bombarded. But then they were hurtful shots. Uh, and great... Comp- I mean, the combinations from the pair of them was ridiculous, wasn't it? I mean, you'd have one throw a little a flurry of shots and then and then you'd think the other one's earlier he'd come back and then it, it was just... It was constant, really. But as, as rightly so, again, like we just said there with Casillo, uh, he, he was looking... You know, it was looking like it was turning his favour in and around, especially around that fourth round. I think I know... Although it was tight, I had a couple of rounds each down into the fourth. And then on the fifth, um, again, it was pretty... I mean, you could have you could have gone either way. But um, I just thought the Mexican, as in uh, Castillo, Castillo, so Lang, there's some nice, hurtful combinations in that fifth, especially. Corella's sort of scatters his senses a little bit. Um, it was a close round, but um, I thought fifth, I don't know, it, was, it was starting to look like Castillo. It was starting to sort of... Wearing down, obviously, being the fighter that he was comfortable on the inside, whereas Corrales maybe wasn't as such. But obviously, you know, as we know, it, it, it got very tasty after that. It certainly did. We get to the sort of seventh round and we start to see the left eye swell shut of Corrales. So we can start to see that the damage is really starting to take its toll on Corrales. We get through the full nine rounds of the fight today and they both uh, are absolutely battered, beaten. And we go into the the 10th 
And final round. And at this point, amazingly, after all the punches had been exchanged in between the fight, no man had been knocked down in the fight up until this 10th and final round, which was probably one of the rounds of... One of the best rounds I've ever seen in boxing. That's as simple as that, really. You know, we talk about Hagler Hearns' third round in their fight. This 10th round in Corrales Castillo is is always going to be remembered as one of the greatest rounds in boxing history. And for very good reason as well, because they were both, you know, the heart and desire both men shown in this fight. It was was unbelievable. Unbelievable. So this point, we've got a very, very close fight, as you said. Very close at this point on the judges' scorecards as well. I think, from what I recall... It was actually, Castillo was given, I think it was 87-84, what he was actually scored at for one judge. Another judge scored at 87-84 yeah. for Corrales. And then the third judge was scoring it at the time, 86-85 to Corrales. So Corrales at this point was only just by the skin of his teeth in front going into this 10th and final round. And then we get to a point where Castillo hits Corrales on the chin, knocks him straight down to the canvas... And Corrales, he spits his mouthpiece out, which was something you don't always see happen, but is a sign of that fighter kind of wants to get out now. I think that fighter's done. So he spits his mouthpiece out and gets up at the count of eight. And the referee, obviously, who was Tony Weeks, well-renowned referee at the time, gets gets him up, checks he's all right. Seconds later, Corrales knocks, gets knocked down again off Castillo. And then you think to yourself, nah, this is it. This is it, this is over, there's no way, it's all over. And it's at this point again, Corrales takes his mouthpiece out, gets up at nine, and amazingly, he's then deducted a point for excessive spitting of his mouthpiece out. The WBCWBO unification lightweight title fight. Oh, what a left hook by Castillo, and Corrales is down! The mouthpiece comes out! trying to get involved. What a dramatic moment here in round 10 as Corrales hits the canvas. Castillo looking to finish it here. He goes down again. Takes the piece out. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Come there. Come there. You all right? You all right? I'm going to penalize you. Take him one point off. Time. One point off here. One point off. One point. Excessive spitting out of the mouthpiece. A point deducted. Come on, come on. To make matters even worse now. Get inside on him now. Dreadful round for Corrales. Down two times here in the tenth. And this is where one of the most amazing moments in in boxing happens. Yeah, unbelievable. I mean, the the uh, the second time that comes back, that mouthpiece as well, which is quite interesting. Um, he, he actually gets a moment when he gets it washed off and get put back. It gets it put back in, and Goosen actually says to him as well, "Now you better get fucking inside in there." And then he comes back and you can see him nodding, obviously acknowledging what he's just told him. Um, and obviously he goes hell for leather, and uh, he hits him with a terrific left hook that rocks Castillo, sends him back to the rope, and then uh, Corelli starts landing. He lands a big right, another big left, and then Castillo comes back. And then you're thinking, oh, okay, Castillo's okay now. And then all of a sudden, the big shot comes where Corelli throws another massive left, um, and it looks 
literally takes the life out of Castillo, he falls back, and then he hits him with another combo, a left, right, left, right, and obviously the big left ends the fight where he, his head sort of throws back, his arms go limp, it's, it's finished. I mean, people have actually mentioned that Tony Riggs may have jumped in too soon, but for me, he <laughs> was one punch away from being flat out and unconscious. Unbelievable finish to that fight. Who would have thought Corrales would have come back from that after the two knockdowns and obviously barred himself a nice bit of time with, with the gun shield, uh, which, which going back to another fight of his, which was against Freitas, the Brazilian, he actually done the same thing, but to Corrales, the fight just before that. So it's quite interesting. I think he, he, although he got frustrated with that, he probably thought, I'm going to use that myself. And he used it literally <laughs> fight after against Castillo. But brilliant, outstanding finish and um, unbelievable. Best round I've ever seen, ever. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, I've got to admit, it's got to be up there. It's got to be, you know, off the top of my head, it's got to be in my top three. If I'm going to talk about rounds, I'm going to talk about Gatty Ward, I'm going to talk about Hagler Hearns, and I'm going to talk yeah. about Corrales Castillo. They're the three fights that had rounds in them that were absolutely unbelievable and that you can never forget about, no matter you know how many fights go past and how many years go by. These are, you know, these are legacy-defining fights that we'll... we'll possibly never get to see on the same magnitude again and the, the finish like you say was, was was fantastic the fact that Corrales had been knocked down twice and you seemingly thinking at this point watching it you know he's done he's done that's it he's all over and then for him to get up Joe Goosen basically tells him <laughs> in, in no uncertain terms if you don't knock this guy out you know that's it you're done simple as that obviously he did it he didn't say it as it didn't say it as polite as I just said it you said the words a little bit earlier but he basically gave him that kick up the arse that he needed to try and f- finish his fight. And he did. And he did it in unbelievable fashion. And it was it was one of the f- most fantastic endings to a fight you'll have ever seen, given the fact that not 20, 30 seconds earlier, he was on the brink of defeat. And that's what, that's, I suppose, that's what we all love about boxing, is the fact that he can turn, turn around so quickly in just one or two punches. You know, the fight is completely on his head. And, and this was one of them situations where it happened. It was unbelievable absolutely unbelievable fight both men went to the hospital afterwards and according to Joe Goosen he said that the beating Diego got from Castillo's body punches was unbelievable they took a urine sample and it looked like a bottle of tomato juice oh my god wow oh god yeah I can believe that I mean they took them two took more punishment in that one fight alone than, than probably the whole career. I mean, like Castillo was, a, was a, you know, he, he loved the tear-up, but let's be honest, even in all of these sort of, um, I think it's like 57-odd fights, whatever it was, I mean, or even, sorry, 66 was it, or even probably even more than that, I don't even know, 80 fights, sorry, I'm, I'm, sort of, I'm putting it down here, 80 fights, and I was in this one fight alone. He was, uh, he had never been hit so many times. That doesn't surprise me. I mean, them body shots were ruthless. Um, and that he, was, he was known to be a, with that left hook to the body. I mean, I'm not surprised for him. He's pissing tomato just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. And, and, and the other thing as well is that, um, as I say, with the mouthpiece, I mean, like the first time I could sort of maybe give him a little bit of leeway. Maybe it did fall out. I don't know. But the second time, clearly, he's holding his hand, isn't he? And then obviously Tony Wicks, he does he does a great job there. He, he takes a point off him, literally, as well. 
but just those extra few seconds. So that's how you know Corella's definitely had, it was a bit more savvy than, you know, it, 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 although the shot hurt him, I still think uh, he was clever enough to think, yeah, I'll take my math piece out, give myself a bit more time, even if it deducts the point. But what does it matter? You, you're losing the fight anyway. So his wits about him. And to come back, I mean, you're thinking it's all over. And I think actually Castillo sort of throws an uppercut and the left hook that he catches, he gets caught, it sends him back on his heels and you're like, no way. He rocks him and he's obviously, from there, it was just, uh, it's just unbelievable action. Uh, the two guys, I mean, what they served up was unreal, wasn't it? I mean, the crowd were going, they were just going mad. It was a brilliant fight, a really great fight and it shows you exactly, you know, throughout their careers, they, they were always, they, you know, Castillo had never been ever been stopped like that. I think the only four, the four defeats he had in Mexico were on cut. So, um, and he already had a cut, a quite a bad cut in this, as you point, rightly pointed out, Sean. So, you know, and obviously with, with Corellas, yeah, he's been knocked down five times, but I've already, we, you know, we've already been through the fact, you know, he's, he, never, you know, he, he didn't have a, he didn't have a chance especially losing that much weight and then gaining that much weight. He was never going to have too much of a chance. And then, obviously, Casimiro was the only other guy that put it down a couple of times. And he was a good, slick Cuban, tough Cuban. So, you know, the fact that these two had literally fought toe-to-toe for, for 10 rounds, and someone was going to go, and then it was just a remarkable finish. Absolutely brilliant and a pleasure to watch. Unbelievable pleasure to watch and one that I will always, always look forward to watching again and again and again. So in the aftermath of the fight then, Johnston, uh, obviously some bits of information that is, is, is probably already known by the listeners about about what the aftermath is of this fight. Uh, Corral has never actually won another boxing match again. He never, in the fights that he succeeded after this particular fight, he never won a fight again after it. And and, and obviously, as we know, he subsequently passed away in a motorcycle accident in 2007. But after this, he actually did have a rematch with Jose Luis Castillo. They actually rematched. The fight was so good the first time round, they wanted it for a second time round. And that fight started off exactly in the same fashion that this particular fight ended. Castillo actually weighed in heavier and weighed over the uh, 135 limit in this particular fight. Yep. So when Castillo didn't make the way for the fight, it actually became a non-title battle. So he didn't have as the same significance as it did the first time round. However, because of what they delivered the first time round, it was still as important. Now, the two fighters continued with that same fighting style, trading punches throughout the first three rounds of that particular right. And then in, early in the fourth, Castillo knocked Corrales down with a left hook straight to the chin, Corrales wobbled to his feet at the referee's count of 10, causing the fight to end. And another bit of information was that, and I never knew this until doing the research for, for this particular episode, is that a third fight was actually scheduled between these two. But unfortunately, it never took place. And I think that's due to, obviously, the untimely demise of Diego Corrales. And that would have been an unbelievable trilogy wouldn't it if that would have happened you know oh, yeah. that, that would have been unbelievable because they both had a win over each other that was the important thing Corrales won the first Castillo wins the second so the third would have been the rubber match and ultimately the deciding fight and unfortunately we never got to see it but that this particular fight I'm so thankful and grateful that you know we got this fight between these two because it was an unbelievable fight and it was it was an amazing fight to look back on so Corrales' career obviously was cut short due to the fact that he passed away in 2007 but going back to Castillo Castillo continued his career until 2014 so he boxed professionally for 24 years 24 years the guy's a madman what's going on 24 years of taking punches left right and center 
And I remember, obviously, him fighting Ricky Hatton and Ricky Hatton stopping him with uh, a fantastic body shot in 2007 before he got his fight with Floyd Mayweather that was later that same year. I remember that particular fight of Castile's after that. And then from there on, really, his career was, you know, completely on the downfall from there. He was, you know, he was past his best. He fought a former contender opponent in Alfonso Gomez and lost to Alfonso Gomez, but again, shell of his former self at this point. And then he started to lose he started to lose fights uh, to guys that wouldn't have been able to lace up his gloves a few years earlier, which was quite sad to see at this point. And he finally went out on his shield in 2014 against Ruslan Prodkinov, who you will remember from having an epic bout with Timothy Bradley. Yes, of course, yeah, I do remember that fight. Yeah, yeah, uh, that was a banger, that one as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I, 80 fights, I mean, I could, could see I'm not surprised. I mean, the thing is, is, with this, with this guy, we're not talking about a guy that, you know, like a Mayweather that was a, that was a puncher and a mover. You're talking about someone that that went to war with people. So to have 80 fights, and even if people will look through it and go, yeah, but who did he fight before he fought Steve Johnson? That was like, he's looking at like 40 odd fights for him. But the Mexican, down through that Mexican scene, that is no mean feat. I'm telling you, that is a mean feat, dude. There is no way anyone can tell me that. There will obviously be some, some less, less, uh, sort of, Challenging fights in there, don't get me wrong, but Mexicans are tough, definitely, and that Mexican team is hard work. So, this guy to have 80 fights and to have the fights he did is unbelievable. I mean, I mean, even at a lightweight, I mean, unreal. And, and I mean, you, you mentioned in the rubber match there as well, that, that, was, that was actually due, wasn't it? It was actually called, he built the war to settle the score as well. And, um, uh, Corella's actually got injured as well in training, which which meant that to reschedule. And then he came in. You mentioned before in the in the second fight that he came in overweight, and this time he actually came in overweight again. He was actually fined two hundred and fifty dollars for the second fight, and he was fined two hundred and seventy uh, two hundred and fifty thousand again for the third for the fight not going not taking place, and actually forbidden from fighting in Nevada at, um, at uh, fighting at less than one hundred and forty pounds, which was unreal, really. Um, he was uh, he was actually suspended as well for the remainder of the calendar year, which wasn't that long to be fair. Um, and he actually fought in Nevada, I think, cut fights later. So he was a bit of a stupid, you know, didn't really do anything. But what a career! I mean, as you say, Ricky Hatton as well. That obviously I remember the body shot from Ricky put him away, didn't he? Um, obviously not the same fighter. Then it would have been nice to have seen uh, Ricky fight to see how winning was at his best. That'd have been a great fight, wouldn't it? Um, but yeah, unbelievable career. I mean. Unbelievable stuff. I mean, these Mexicans, they, they do know how to make them, they? <laughs> Just solid, absolutely solid. Yeah, they do. They definitely come off the Mexican conveyor belt of fantastic fighters because the, there's a lot of them that come out of there. And obviously in today's in today's world, we've got Canelo Alvarez, a guy that's been boxing since 15, and he's just testament to, 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 to the, the heritage of Mexican boxing, to be honest with you. And, you know, obviously the, there's, there's different issues surrounding the, his career and what you actually think about him and what's what's gone on in his career but you can't really argue with the fact that he's been uh, unbelievable in his career so far so yeah Jose Luis Castillo was 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 like the fighter that people like Canelo you know looked up to guys like that guys like Marco Antonio Barrera unbelievable fighters and unbelievable this was an unbelievable fight and I'm so glad to have covered it on this episode of Legendary Nights it's been a great 
trip down memory lane going through what was uh, an epic fight an unbelievable fight and probably in most people's top 10 fights of all time and i'm very surprised i'll be very surprised if someone turned around to me and said it doesn't make the top 10 for them because in terms of entertainment value in terms of ability skill heart and desire this this is this has got to be there you know find me someone that doesn't have this in the top 10 and i'll happily sit down and have a debate about what is in their top 10 because this this is one of the greatest fights that I've ever watched and it's been a pleasure sitting down to record this episode and obviously thank you to the guys that have voted for it of course because you know without the without the guys on Twitter voting for this particular episode we wouldn't have got the opportunity to speak about it yeah yeah unbelievable fight to cover uh, it was great to run through all their careers I mean their careers there's so much stuff you could have touched on um, I mean we ain't got all right Sean unfortunately we could talk for hours and hours about their careers I mean, especially because Theo's with, uh, you know, how long he went on for. But the fight itself, I- I'm with you. I- anyone, anyone that doesn't put this in the top ten, I mean, what? You, I mean, I can't, I can't figure. I can't even tell you. I, I can't find any other. It's, for me, it's, it's in the top three, top five all day long. It's up there with your Frazier and Ali, number three, and uh, your Ward Gatties, one and two, probably. You could probably check the second one in it, and obviously uh, Hagler Hearns. And I'm sure there are there are other fights. You know, I can't think of top of my head, but. Um, a wonderful fight to cover um, and, you know, two great, great fighters in a tough division uh, at the time. There were some big names in there and um, when, when you think of one of them, you're always going to think of the other and that's, that's you know, that's what, that's, that's sometimes what it's all about, isn't it? Irrelevant of, I can't tell you the ABC titles they've won at times. You go through, you know, whether it be a WBO or a, a W, whatever it is, WBC, you know, it, it doesn't matter because everyone remembers Castillo Corellas, you know, that's the, the number one fight. That, you know, so sometimes that's all you need. You need two to tangle. They, they gelled well. It was a great fight. Obviously, the second didn't quite, I thought second happened too soon. I think today they probably would have given it another year to get them two back in the ring again. But um, yeah, a wonderful fight to cover, Sean. And um, yeah, great pick from the viewers, basically, and brilliant. So that's it then, guys. If you've enjoyed this episode of BTR Boxing Podcast Legendary Nights, please go over and let us know. Follow us on Twitter at BTR Boxing Pod. Follow us on Facebook, BTR Boxing Podcast. We're on all available good podcasting apps out there. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, Stitcher, Player F, them Podbean, get on there, subscribe to the podcast, get listening to all the episodes that are out there for the Legendary Night series. Also, tune in to the Ones to Watch series, season two, coming back out shortly. We've got the weekly podcast with Jordy Neal coming every single week in your ears, covering all the weekend's action. And we've also got other episodes coming up in the pipeline very soon as well. So, that's it from me, that's it from Johnson. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode of BTR Boxing Podcast Legendary Night. This is one of the most unusual calls by a referee in the history of the sport. The first loss, a tremendous victory. Leonard fighting off the ropes. It happened, it happened. Uppercut by Douglas. Down goes Tyson. Right hand shot. Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. 
Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.